Here they come! And welcome to episode 68 of Effectively Speaking, the podcast that takes a look at some of the special effects sequences of film and television, be they classic, average, or duff. I'm your host, Eric Moore, and today I'm joined by Ian Marchant to discuss the Dalek saucer landing in both the TV Dalek Invasion of Earth, 1964, and the film Dalek's Invasion Earth, 2150, from 1966. Words... Just words. Hello, Ian. Hello, Eric. Hello. Um, right, last time we talked who? It was way back oh, in episode thirteen. So long ago. It might have been, actually, thinking about it, that might have been your, your debut on Effectively Speaking. Do you know what? I think it yeah. I think it Did might have been because we, we recorded a few sort of in very close proximity when when I first started. But yeah, I think you know. I think you're right. I think um, yeah, the uh, John Pertwee. Yeah, uh, it was the Green Death, one. wasn't yeah, it? Green Death. That was it. Yeah, with the uh, with the Balsa Wood uh, Dragonfly. That's the one, right? Yeah. So yeah, that was your debut on this show, and um, here we are talking who again? Yes. Um, for only the second time, you and I. Now I can't remember back in episode thirteen. Did you actually? Um, um, I know William Hartnell is your favourite Who, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. He, um, I, I obviously, I'm not quite old enough to have watched Hartnell and Troughton, you know, when they were on. Um, and my first Doctor growing up was Pertwee. Um, and then as soon as Tom Baker came along, it was like, uh, John Who? <laughs> um, he wrote, yeah, we're very fickle as children. Um, but yeah, I... I can remember the first Hartnell I saw was the five faces of Doctor Who, which would have been about what eighty one, eighty two, something like that. Was yeah, it? that's when the BBC put when, them yeah. on, didn't they? That's that's right. Yeah, they did a, a. I mean, this is going back before. Uh, well, I was going to say before DVDs, before VHS yes. uh, releases were standard, and they decided. I'm. I think it was because Peter Davison was coming along, and it had been such a. Uh, a large amount of time since the last regeneration that uh, John Nathan Turner, the producer at the time, thought, um, "I'll, I'll try and get some repeats shown, and this will introduce people that the Doctor's face can change." It's mm. quite a good idea, I thought. Yeah. And uh, they showed him, and it was. Um, I remember it uh, again. I say I remember. All my memories have got to be taken with a slight pinch of salt. That my brain might be just tricking me. But I remember it being uh, later on in the year, and it was dark when it was on, dark and cold. And I remember watching the first episode. Uh, they showed An Unearthly Child for um, William Hartnell. And I remember watching that first episode and thinking how magical that was. Mm. And and sort of from that point onwards, and especially when they started releasing them on uh, uh, VHS, um, Hartnell rapidly became my favorite doctor even though he's um <coughs> pardon me he's probably not the most um smooth doctor as far as when they recorded them basically as live teleplays then even though they recorded them and they could allow one or two edits per show they were basically you know the, the actors had to 
uh, put their wigs on and then do the whole thing in order in real time mm. and and so it's not as smooth as later ones and and poor william hartner was he had i think at the t- when he first started doctor he had undiagnosed uh, arterial sclerosis and so he wasn't a well man even at the beginning and um, but i just find him magical he's um i can see why it took off I can mm. see why the the public and especially children fell in love with this sort of mysterious. And, and there was the, at the time in fandom there was this uh, this theory that it was always perceived wisdom that the elder fans that had lived through these periods passed down to us young fans that <laughs> that were not real fans because they weren't weren't there at the beginning. They weren't there and at the, the per- start. Exactly, yeah. And the perceived wisdom was that William Hartnell was a grumpy git as a doctor, and and was always angry. And that couldn't have been further from the truth. No. He's, he's, he's a magical, twinkly doctor. He, he, he has his moments where he doesn't sort of suffer fools gladly. But he's he, almost from, I mean, actually from the second story, which was the Daleks, he becomes this sort of twinkly-eyed character. It's, I, I, just, I think he's such a, an underrated doctor. And it, sadly, probably it'll never be that popular with kids because the stories just aren't that polished mm, mm. they take a bit of dedication to watch i think yeah it's putting you a bit on the spot here Ian, but are you able to rank your doctors um where would you yeah, go yeah i think i think so william hartner would be number one mm-hmm. and controversially colin baker i think would be my number two as a doctor and I, I got a caveat this that as a doctor not necessarily for the stories he was yes, in of course i love yeah. his and his style of as we were talking you know when we were talking about colin baker before in your, your other podcast um that he's he's very uh, sarcastic very british doctor and i i love that about him um then i think it's it would be john pertwee who for a while I didn't really like. When I went through a period where I thought he was uh, overrated, and then watching him again, I think no, you've got you've got, and again this is a, a great ep- a great lesson is to watch the stories in order. Mm. It's when you're picking like your favourites or or in and out of stories, you don't really get a feel for the character. And if you watch John Pertwee's in order, again he's he comes across as very. Uh, judgmental and sometimes sexist but there's always that twinkle in his eye that you think he he's playing he's the doctor not the actor but the doctor is playing a part here Mm. to fit in on earth um so i think john pertwee then uh tom baker then peter davidson um where have i put troughton Troughton, say, yeah. where's Troughton? Yeah, where's Troughton? Tr- actually, yeah, I'm going to have to revise this because I do like me a bit of Troughton. So Troughton would probably be about the same level as John Pertwee. Right. So Hartnell, Baker, Colin, uh, Troughton, Pertwee, Baker, Tom, Tom uh, <laughs> Davison. Peter. Uh, yeah, Peter. Have we got another <laughs> one yet? Uh, then Sylvester McCoy. Not my favourite Doctor. Um Paul McGann, I think I probably would enjoy if I if he'd have done more. I think mm-hmm. he's a good doctor. Um, uh, that a classic doctor certainly. That would be the sort of order. Ask me again next week; it will change because I'll watch someone else's. So. Right. But what are you? What are your feelings on New Who? Can you actually put them in the the uh, order? Or do do all the New Who's come after the the, uh, the New Who's, Who's would? 
I, I find I have to separate New Who in my brain from Classic Who. Mm. Um, and I can put them in order. And they're, they're a little bit, I think, probably a little bit easier to put in order because it would be uh, Tennant, uh, Eccleston, uh, Matt Smith, then uh, Peter Capaldi. Mm-hmm. Um, because, and, and I love Peter Capaldi and I, I love him in the thick of it. And I thought I actually was in tears when they announced this. Genuinely, I was in tears when they announced his uh, his casting. But I think he's put so much effort in, but let down by the stories again, the isn't stories. it? It's the Colin yeah. Baker thing, isn't it? Yeah. It is. Um, and so I can't I can't really rate him any higher. Although I've done the same thing with Colin Baker, but I don't think Peter Capaldi ever ever played the Doctor that he probably wanted to play. I, yeah, you do it's, feel it's for not him, don't you? For me. Yeah, I certainly do. I certainly do. Um, but yeah, David Tennant, I think he. I, I, I'm not sure whether I can't remember whether you've said before that you don't like David Tennant, but I, I think he he hit it right on the head of where it needed to be played. Mm. Um, I don't know about the new uh, lady. I think she'll probably be fine. Um, but I can't I can't bung them in with classic doctors. I think it's a right. different show. And also, you, uh, you know, you've got the distance of time, haven't you? You know, when yeah. you were originally watching Doctor Who, you were a child. You grew up with exactly. Doctor Who, literally grew up with Doctor Who. So it's not fair. And the show is completely different. The show now is not... that. that, that they're not making it in the style, in the way of the original Who. So it's kind of unfair to compare the shows. Yeah, I think it's it's very unfair. I mean, I... If you've, if you've sort of looked behind the scenes of Classic Who, right up until um, Peter Davison's time, they were still making it in exactly the same way as they made it in the 1960s. Mm. Um, you know, you had, it was a, a multi-camera setup, which yeah. no drama used after, you know, other than Doctor Who used after that, mm. uh, after about sort of 1982. Um, it was made in an archaic way, but I think it did give it a flavour. Um, it's very yeah. It's I mean, get do it yourself. Get grab a new Who, watch it, then watch you know, say a Peter Davison or a late Tom Baker, and and see if you think this is even from the same universe. It's <laughs> it's, it's mad. It's it's so different. Yeah, I I mean I know I know of people you know who who are fans of New Who who haven't seen old Who uh, old yeah. Who, and I, I I do yeah I think it might be jarring. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I mean, and again, there's this. I mean, you know what fandom's like. There's a lot of um, prejudice and uh, snobbishness in fandom, and I've heard it both ways. Where people say, "Oh, you, if you like New Who, you can't be a genuine, no genuine Doctor Who fan would like New Who," and vice versa. Mm. Um, but yeah, I th- I, w- I would love to see like people that have just watched New Who, um, and then go, I think, oh, you know, I- I'll see what the classic was like. Yeah, <laughs> what about then? Yeah, yeah. And then I imagine them like five minutes into it, switching it off and going, "Oh, yeah." Oh dear. But that's that, that. That's that's been my problem with New Who is that I I I I don't care for the way things are made now. I don't care for the fact that it tends to be more about the companions and you have a soap opera. Um, yeah. David Tennant is my least favourite 
of all the really? doctors because yeah part of it is this is that rose ador- that's done it <laughs> yes it, yeah. it, it's the adoration of yeah. the doctor in that all the companions fancy him the whole world looks up to him and he is a superhero the david tennant yeah. doctor who is a superhero there's that god awful one i can't even remember anything about it when the whole planet wishes him well or something like that you know to give him positive vibes and it's oh. like no, God, no, yes. no, no, yeah. no. And so that's part of it. And and the other thing, it's it's nothing against the actor, but David Tennant's doctor is so insufferably smug all the way through. Everything's a laugh, everything's a joke, and aren't yeah, I fantastic? Is... And I can't abide it. I can't abide it. You know, See, so... I didn't I didn't mind his smugness, other than there was one episode, uh, one storyline where his, he's supposed to become what they call the Time Lord Invincible or something <laughs> like that. And it's, it's, it's so bad that, yeah, he, it's, and it's that smugness that he's, but it lasts about two minutes and then he's, he's back to his normal level of smugness. No, it was um, hard but I work. Didn't, yeah, I, I didn't mind the smugness of him because it, it, sounds, it sounds weird. I took, I took Classic Who um very much to heart and so if it was poor like i can remember watching the sylvester mccoy's and and i i much more appreciate sylvester mccoy now and i think sylvester mccoy as a person would have been much more interesting doctor than the character they had him yes. play um but when i remember at the time watching it and being so embarrassed by it and it because it it almost felt like an open wound whereas yes. with the new who I don't think I was that invested as much, so it was very much. Oh, this is not great. Oh, no, my. And so I don't. Perhaps I didn't hold it up to the same high standard that I did as classic. Mm. Um, but it is, yeah, it is unusual that that a program's come back that's a reboot, but not not a reboot. Mm. Yeah. yeah. And no, if, <clears throat> no, I was going to say, you know, what you say there. It, it, I, 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 is very true with me with Peter Capaldi because by the time Peter Capaldi come around, fantastic actor, yeah. got a lot of time for him, but he he wasn't helped by the stories. And but at that point, I'd kind of been burnt out, and yeah. I was kind of like in the mindset of I am going to be disappointed this week. Yeah, you know, I I hadn't got my hopes up anymore. I so, can imagine and, I can imagine you sat there with your arms folded, <laughs> glowering at the telly. I did. Come on then. Impress teeth me. grinding, yeah. teeth grinding, yeah. yeah. But I really liked Matt Smith. I really liked Matt Smith's yeah. Doctor. I, I, I enjoyed him, and I thought he was terrific, you know, and, and the stories weren't too bad, and that adoration bit had gone away. You had a bit yeah. with, you know, Amy Pond and um, Clara and that, but I really oh, liked yeah. Matt Smith. But I tell you, that you say about tearing up when you heard about Peter Capaldi, being announced as the new Doctor. The time I te- teared up in New Who was the Matt Smith story where you had Tom Baker as like the yeah. museum curator because he's my Doctor. Like you, I, I my first... They always say, don't they, you know, your yeah. Doctor is the Doctor, you know, that you first it's saw. First, and, and it's yeah. totally true. You know, our, our, our second uh, child, you know, her favourite is... David Tennant because that's the yeah. one that she she watched and I think Samuel our eldest his favorite is Christopher Eccleston because that's the one he was 5 when it came back in 2005 that was the even though he had been watching Tom Baker and John Pertwee and Patrick Troughton and William Hartnell that's the one that he registered with but yeah. just like you 
John Pertwee. I can vaguely remember Planet of the Spiders, um, and yeah. I definitely remember the transformation, the regeneration from Pertwee to Tom Baker, and just being appalled by it. Yeah. But yeah, after a couple of stories, like you, John Who, you know? Yeah. I, c- I can remember going out and uh, one of my all-time favourite Doctor Who stories, which is not it's not because it's a great story, but because what it means to me is um, Revenge of the Cyberman. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can remember going out on the street and me and my mates playing the bit where they put the cyber bombs on, you know, and they have to, and we had our rucksacks on, our little school rucksacks. <laughs> and we, yeah, and it was a magical era. And I think that's people's magical era is their doctor, isn't it? Sort of thing. Yeah. Um, I think had, obviously had, had we not had access to, uh, DVDs, videos, recordings. Then, yeah, I'd pr- probably say Tom Baker would be would be my favourite Doctor because that's the one that was my Doctor. But um, the the wonderfulness about having living in a world where everything's so much at your fingertips is mm. that you can enjoy other eras of Doctor Who. Um, yes. And the other thing I love about the the Troughton era, uh, sorry, the Hartnell era is the fact that he's just a guy wandering about. He mm. hasn't got f- f- full knowledge of the situation. He's not got any grand plans. He just turns up, meddles a bit, probably makes things better, sometimes worse, and then um, buggers off and does something else. Whereas now it's very much... yeah, I, I can't abide the fact that the Doctor's only got to show up now in Modern Who and... The Daleks are instantly afraid of him, and he's got so yeah. many different names for things. And he's, he, when he says, "I'm the protector of the Earth," I find that just appalling. Mm. That's you know, that's not the character to me. Again, you're you're absolutely right. That's a superhero. Mm. Yeah, you know. All right. Well, we're going back to the to the original. You know, the Doctor. You yes. might say. Um, so yeah, here we go then. Um, I thought what we'll do is, I mean, obviously you've got it on DVD. We'll talk yep. about, you know, the TV version first. And yes. this is one of the um, the Natty DVDs that the BBC produced where you have a choice of watching it with the original effects <laughs> and the CGI, yeah. you know, updated one. So we'll talk about yeah. the actual original first. And then okay. in behind the scenes, we'll just talk about, you know, uh, what they tweaked. All right. Nice one. All right. Well, we'll go ahead with the clip now, shall we? Yep, let's have a listen. Now, Doctor, I reckon that flying saucer disappeared somewhere over the other side of the river, in the direction of Sloan Square. Somewhere over there, anyway. Yes, now, never mind about that flying saucer, my boy. That suggestion of yours about the plague. Supposing one of them's been in that water, they're bound to be contaminated with some sort of bacteria. Mm. They're not likely to drink that, are they? Well, the smell of it's enough. Anyway, let us go further afield. Come along, come along. First thing to note, um, this story is, isn't actually called um, Dalek Invasion of Earth, is it? It's called World's End. Yeah, well, there was this uh, naming convention. Again, this sort of harks back to the early days of fandom, where all the Hartnells and some of the Troutons, who, no, actually, it was it finished in Hartnells, didn't it? Smugglers, I think, was the last one. It had individual names for episodes. And so these things were not known by the titles that we now 
know them as i mean there's there's a whole controversy over what the first dalek story should be called yes. i mean there's a book in there somewhere to to go through all the different versions you know <laughs> mutants the daleks you know. the first story is it tribe gum is it an unearthly child oh yeah. does anyone care <laughs> um but yeah you're right it's not cool no nowhere in this program will you find the title the dalek invasion of earth no no it's called world's end um yeah and i'm I, i'm guessing do you think this was, you know, to have it as a surprise that there is a Dalek at the end? Because this is the cliffhanger yeah. ending of episode one, isn't it? Yeah, well, when you think about it, this is the first recurring villain. Mm-hmm. They, up till this point, you, the audience would not be expecting something to come back. Now, the Daleks had hit big, so I think there was a sort of an understanding that this this was an unusual villain um but yeah i i think you're absolutely right i mean they they tried it later on in different things didn't they to try and they'd rename stories to try and hide it but then i think they get to the point where they go ah stuff it it will get we'll just get more viewers if we say there's daleks in it so oh, it's awful get, yeah. I, I mean that destiny of the daleks is called destiny of the daleks and you're supposed to be surprised as yeah. you know romana and the ba- uh, tom baker doctor who are at the end of episode one when a dalek comes crashing through that yeah. um yeah you, you, you know that black wall well, the only it's thing called you're destiny of the daleks yeah. <laughs> the only thing you're surprised about now is how shoddy the daleks look in that we're um, saving that for another episode hey, destiny of the daleks yeah. you're coming back for that because oh, yes yes i like, I like <laughs> right. that yeah, but also, also, even if you were, you, you know, watching this back in 1964, even there's no way you've got an inkling that the Daleks are in this. There's no, no, that, 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 there's no clues. But even if you thought, oh, I wonder if there's the Daleks. No, the last time you saw the Daleks was on Scaro, and it was established then that the Daleks can't leave the city because they they get yep. their power through the floor, don't they? Yeah, it's and they were they were a one-off villain. They the story, you know, they at the end of the story they were dead. It was a different planet. Yeah, there was yep. a, there's no way. I mean, any any fan and any elder statesman fan that would sit there and say, "Oh, I realised halfway through watching this thriller." No, you're lying. Just yeah, go away. No, 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 no one no. would have known this, and I it would have been it again an absolute shocking waste of use for a time machine but i'd love to have a time machine to go back and look through someone's front window as they're watching this yes yeah 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 and 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 it's very much a parallel to the very first time you ever see it we're getting way ahead of ourselves in uh, in this sequence but yeah when we see the dalek at the end of this sequence it's very much like when barbara very sees the very first dalek at as the cliffhanger in the very first dalek story so there's a parallel going on there but that's at the end of our sequence. Let's start at the beginning yes. of our sequence. And our sequence, it starts at the very start of episode one, uh, where we see a, I mean, he's actually a stuntman called Peter Diamond. He's dressed in what we're later to learn is, uh, is as a robo-man. And he's walking stiffly down into the River Thames and committing suicide. Yeah, which is strong stuff for a, a children's television program. Yeah. Yeah. In the 1960s, I would imagine. I wouldn't have thought yeah. there was a lot of uh, suicides in the first scene in no. other shows. <laughs> but uh, suicide it is. That's what he does. Um, and then we've got the Doctor, Ian, Barbara and Susan. They arrive in the TARDIS uh, right next to that brilliant sign that it is forbidden to dump bodies yes. in the river sign, which they don't spot right away because, you know, the TARDIS is just in front of it, isn't it? Yeah, and it's also, as the Doctor points out, it's a stupid sign because it's under a bridge. 
Um, yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's really, uh, really good. And sort of jumping ahead, there's no um, there's no sugar smacks posters, which is always a good thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we, yeah. we are jumping ahead yeah. there. But I, I, I like this. I like the fact, you know, yeah. it is forbidden it's... to dump bodies in the river. Um, I like the grimness of it. I like the matter-of-fact way, you know, that, um, you know, the government has put this up. And it always reminds me uh, of um, the Two Tribes song by Frankie Goes to Hollywood, where yeah. you've got the, that they sample Patrick Allen, um um, you know that information thing about what to do in the event of a nuclear war and he says about you know if your grandmother or anyone else should die in the household you know put them outside but remember to tag them first for identification it's that very cold matter of factness you know um in in the in the light of this appalling tragedy you know well, it, yeah it's 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 very, very British. We the world's ending, but we don't want to clutter the streets now, do we? No, no. You know, it's it's very much that. But the, you're right. The word grim um, hovers above this story um, that that it doesn't in the film version. But mm. it's really um, gritty and it's dirty. The I love this first episode. This I think the. The first episode is possibly strongest out of this this six part six part is it or seven? I know it's the first Daleks was seven, wasn't it? Yes. So it, it's the strongest episode, I think, and it's one of those episodes where I will rewatch again and again as a sort of go to single episode to watch mm. because it's 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 so well acted. I mean, the the the, the original cast have come together now, and they're just spot on in their characterizations. Everyone's yeah. sort of. Is, is at the top of their game in this one. Um, yeah. It's uh, yeah, and the 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 Robo Men are. It's it, when when you first see this, after being very familiar with the film version, the the Robo Men are really jarring mm. um, in this. But they, I think, they work better for what they are. Yes, they're, they're adapted slaves, aren't yes. they? Yeah, yeah. So why why would the Daleks bother making them some? Sp- you know, spanky uniforms. <laughs> you know, I love the fact that the Daleks are just painted like labels on them, just straight across their clothes. Yes, that's the way the Daleks would see. It. It's just, they're a commodity till they're burnt out to exploit. Chuck yes. them away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it, yeah, it, and it's again strong stuff for a, a, for a, a Saturday show. tea time. Yeah, yeah. But I, what I, I also love about this moment is, I mean, it's a fascinating snapshot of mid-60s London. You know, you see all the warehouses. I mean, we're in the east end of London, and you see all the warehouses and everything, how they were. And it has totally changed now. Anybody who goes to the east end of yeah. London now, um, you know, everything was cleared out in the 80s, 90s, 2000s, and, you know, everything was pulled down and built up, and it looks like Mega City 1 now yeah, um, compared to this. That's that. Uh, both this, both the TV version and the film version. The film version probably more so, but the TV version at least sort of tries to put a few things in to say this is the future. Mm. But you're right; it neither have dated particularly well because London has just changed. It has changed completely. Totally. You know, I mean, I'm I'm fascinated by black and white films, fascinated by yeah. black and white TV, and I like you know we keep saying the word grimness. You know, there is just some there there is an atmosphere about it. You know, wh- wh- whether it's a yeah. Charlie Chaplin short, whether it's a a Doctor Who from the sixties, uh, whether it's a you know a black and white Carry On film or um, Centrinians film. I, I I love. There's just something about it. You know, because it's almost like you're watching 
Victorian London because those buildings were yeah. built in Victorian times. Yeah. I went I went to a film convention yesterday in London at a place called Conway Hall, which I've never been to before. And it's a tiny little hall. It's a tiny little hall and theatre. And you go to the toilet and you're going upstairs and it's like you're in a Norman Wisdom film. Everything is yeah. dark wood. Everything is brick and wood. There's no plastic. Yeah. There's no chrome. There's not much glass, you know, and it is. It's like you've been transported back in time and watching this, you're, you are there. You're in the 60s, early 60s London. Um, yeah, I went, I, I, I'm so glad I did. I'm going completely off topic here, but um, sometime in the mid 80s, I went to the east end of London and uh, I visited the murder sites of Jack the Ripper. Oh, right. right? Yeah. Uh, it's something, you know, that I, I, I'm not interested in, but, <clears throat> well, I am, I'm interested. And I thought I would visit them, and I went there. But if anybody tried that now, gone. You yeah. know, every, everything's well, been pulled down and rebuilt. Yeah, well, funny enough, we, um, about about five or six years ago, we went to London. And we did, we thought exactly the same thing. Um, we're, we're both... Uh, in, in, yeah, into, into murder. Yeah, we're both <laughs> fascinated by the Jack the Ripper uh, phenomena. Um, and we thought, while we're here, let's go to Whitechapel. Have what, you know, one It's lovely. It's, <laughs> it's, you know, it's like ah, oh. and they they do um they do Jack the Ripper the talks, and all yeah. it involves is uh, what you've got to do is imagine, <laughs> imagine yeah. these buildings are not here, and and that this this lovely thing is not here, and imagine it. It's like yeah, I might need. Don't bother any yeah. you know any tourist. Don't bother. There's Don't just the pub. The, the, yeah. the, the, the pub is still there where yeah. the victims actually, they reckon, you know, would actually look for trade. That's still there. But when I went there, yeah, you could go to the swimming baths where, you know, there's an archway, there's a doorway where a, a section of apron was found. You can sta you could stand there. Mitre Square was still there, you know, and you can stand in the exact same spot. But no, it's gone. As I say, it, it, it's like something from Judge Dredd now. Um, yeah. Everything well, that, is, is glass and chrome now. You might, you, I mean, you're, you're a Who fan, you might have done this, but in the, the sort of early 80s, um, there was a, a, a new business owned up, and it was called The Who Shop, and it was in. Yes, been there, uh, yep. Something Wharf, uh, and it was on in the Docklands. And yes. To get to it, you literally had to, it was like walking across Blitz London. Because it was it was when they were knocking it all down, and it was it was just the most surreal thing to get to this yeah. this uh, shop, and you had to go past just desolation. Mm -hmm. um, but now, yeah, it's all it's all built up now. It's lovely. It it's has lovely. built up. I mean, I mean, there, you know, a few years ago, um, Matt from Neozaz um, and his wife Christy came came across and and had a holiday in London, and uh, yeah. um, I, I I'd go up um, and see them, and uh, Christy. Uh, wanted to visit the Who Shop. That that's moved. It's at East Ham now, but it's oh, right. still, uh, like you say, it's still in the um, in the East End, but not the East End that's now the business section. So yeah, yeah once we got off the underground and we had to walk like fifteen minutes, yeah, you've still got a lot of Victorian buildings there. But yeah, no, it it wasn't the uh, <laughs> like you say out in the, all the uh, bomb damaged sections yeah. of the East End that it was back in the eighties. Yeah, it's weird. It's, it's it's very. It must it it must be the 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 sort of the dangerous thing about doing futuristic shows, television ideas, things like that is that that things change so quickly. Yeah. Well, we're going to be talking about it soon. You know, in this sequence that you know, 
even though it was being filmed in 63, 64, you had an awful lot of uh, bomb-damaged buildings still. Yeah. It's only 20 years, and it hadn't been regenerated. Um, yeah, and well, it the helps council it. works quite slowly. We know that, don't we? Yes, so. indeed. Yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, you know, if you're going to show a devastated London back then in yeah. the 60s, it was still devastated. You could go to places, but we're we'll, we're getting ahead of ourselves. So let's stay on track. We've got the warehouses. They've landed. Um, they're looking around. Did you notice um, when they're standing there in front of the TARDIS, the TARDIS windows are open? Yeah, they're, they're sloped open. Yes. <laughs> uh, which is because, of course, I mean, th- this is a prop. It's not, you know, there's rumours that it was the Dixon and Doc Green prop. No, it was built for Doc Two. But it would have presumably used fixtures and fittings that were readily available then for police boxes. Mm. And, of course... The police box was the designed that you could lock lock so you could shelter in there or you could lock someone in there and you would have to open the windows for ventilation. But yes. it's strange to see it. Yes. It I don't know if this is the only time um I, you know, I, I think who, it that possibly it is, yeah. I think All it right. possibly is. All right. Well, apart the bridge, they're just underneath a bridge and um yeah. it's Q Bridge, it's a mock up of Q Bridge. Um it falls down and it's blocking, as the doctor says, the ship. I never yeah. like that when the TARDIS is called a ship. Or a spaceship. I, see, I, I quite like that because it reminds me of like the uh, the Doctor Who annuals of the time and no, I where, where yeah it was always yeah. the ship or TARDIS. The or TARDIS. It was never the TARDIS. It was always TARDIS. Well, that's in the film version. Yeah. We'll be talking about yeah. in a minute. Definitely, that happens. But when when it is blocked, you can clearly see through those open windows that it's got no rear to it either. You yeah. can see the wall of the of the bridge behind it. Yeah. Well, it was, again, it was. Um, they needed to get the three, you know, three or four people in and out the door. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it was All probably right, quite so, claustrophobic. Indeed, yeah. But, but Ian and the Doctor, they go off to explore a warehouse to see if they can find yeah. any tools to, you, you, you know, jimmy it free. And um, we we next get a really nice, for the time, map painting. You, you see Battersea Power Station. Yeah. It's, miss, it's missing a chimney, and but it's got a domed nuclear power station right next to it. Yeah, uh, it, it's a really nice for the like you say for the time. It's a really nice uh, shot, and I, I suppose it's it's difficult as well thinking back. But this was the money serial for the second year, wasn't it? This was the one they put yes. the dosh into. Um, you watch it now, and you it's, it's sometimes hard to remember that. But this a lot of this was cutting edge stuff and was quite expensive to do. I imagine. Yeah. It's also funny, you know, to anybody listening from overseas, uh, Battersea Power Station is is quite rightly, you know, it, yeah. it, it, it's a listed building and everything. And But even now, we're talking in 2018, it is still uh, abandoned. Um, it's yeah. been abandoned for decades now, hasn't it? Yeah, it's... Um, I mean, I, like you say, it's listed, and I don't think... I I just wonder what they'll ever do with it, with it to be honest. But. Well, they keep talking about making it into like a theatre and yeah. a venue for music and stuff like this. They never do. Every time I go past it on the train, it is yeah. still decrepit. You could you could yeah. film a, a, a destroyed London sequence in there, yeah. no problem. Would, uh, they really wouldn't could. need a matte painting now, would they? They could no. have just filmed it. I don't know if, it, if that Battersea Power Station was actually used, but I remember, you know, in the professionals, that, that they were always in, like, some, some destroyed warehouse. And it always looked Battersea Power Station to me. Blake 7 as well. Yes. Uh, there was uh, an episode in there, and it's like, I wonder if that's Battersea Power Station. But, uh, yeah, um, it's just strange, you know, that um, it is 
seems to be the one thing in London that hasn't been, you know, revamped and rejigged and rebuilt. Yeah, it's strange, isn't it? Really, you think there wouldn't like like most of these things. There's there I there's sentimentality attached to things, but I wouldn't have thought there would have been much for Battersea Power Station because no. at the time it was an eyesore. Yes, it was you considered know, that, an eyesore, definitely, yeah. but a recognisable eyesore. I mean, this is why yeah. you know they've, I, um, you know that that they've used. They could have used Big Ben. They could have uh, done anything. You yeah. know, I mean, I mean, geographically, it's completely wrong. If you're in the East End of London right now, you don't look across the river and see Battersea Power Station. Yeah. That's way down the river. But um, it's, it's that it's that Hollywood. I, it well, is I Hollywood. use Ho- I use Hollywood in in the convention of film. It's that yeah. film thing of. It's like if you're in, if you're any hotel in Paris, Paris will have a window that You'll overlooks see the, the Eiffel, Eiffel Tower. Tower. Yeah. yeah, which in reality, of course, is Eiffel Tower is not in a very, uh, uh, a very uh, accessible position to Indeed. see from every right. building. Um, right. But yeah, I, I, I thought they would do a, a, a you know, a uh, Palace of Westminster mm. shot, but yeah, they didn't. No, it's logical, though. I mean, if you're going to have a nuclear power station, put it next to the coal-burning power station yeah. that's already there. So, no, no, I think that's a really nice touch. Yeah. Um, it saves the, on wiring. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> the Doctor and Ian, they find a diary, and they realise that it's actually the year yes. 2164. Yeah. Always annoys me, that diary. Why? Always annoys Because the... It's obviously a prop they've made up, but it's so obvious that that 2164 is stuck on it. Yes, this is very true. It's, yeah, yeah. It's not very accurate. Do you know anybody that keeps a diary now in 2018? Um, I have a desk diary, uh, but oh, okay. I don't keep it in a drawer because that sort of defeats the object. <laughs> um, also, it's a drawer diary I, then. Yeah, yeah. Also, are we expected to believe that this is the year 2064? Or it or could have been 20 years or, later. Yeah, you never you never really sort of find out, do you? Because cause they do build up that the the Dalek invasion it wasn't like an overnight thing; it went on, mm. you know, for a while. Um, but yeah, it's um, it's a nice little it's a, a, an exposition diary, isn't it? That's what it is. Yes, yeah. Right. Well, back at the TARDIS, Barbara and Susan they're taken into hiding by some people. We don't know anything yeah. about them right now, but that they're taken away. Um, and the, I love this bit coming up. The doctor, he finds a man in a cardboard box. Yeah. Okay. He's a dead robo man. All right. Why is he in the box? Um, because they're worth more if you keep them in the box. Oh, right. MIB. Yes. Yeah. It's an MIB robo man. Okay. It is, yeah. And yeah. the doctor just ruined it. I like the yeah. fact that the doctor, it's like, it's very, it's very contrived how he falls out of that box as well, isn't it? It's, yes. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't quite work. They've not quite no. rehearsed that enough. Um, <laughs> but like you say, that that they're filming it like it's a live transmission, yes, and, yeah. you know, it's with very play, few takes, yeah. and it's like, okay, he's fallen out of the box. Right, cut. Move on to the yeah. next bit. Yeah, and, and and I like the way the doctor says, you know, that on his helmet he's got an extra ear for yeah. radio waves and personal communication. See that that doesn't that date this as well that that Ian's astonished. He says. Do you think these people have uh, have invented personal communication? <laughs> and it's hard to think back that, isn't it? That that there wasn't in my lifetime there wasn't personal communication. No. And now we just take it so much for granted. We've been talking about this on our sister show, you know, uh, Blake Seven in character about how, you know, 
things like technology have dated and seem so yeah. so quaint now compared to what we've got in our pockets right now you know yeah no no one uh, predicted uh mobile phones did they really that well that they would no. be used for everything <laughs> even the mobile phone companies to be fair but uh, yeah, yeah yeah it's 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 interesting yeah that ian is shocked that they, yes. they can somehow keep you keep in contact without having to go and find a police box or a phone box or a, yeah you know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, Barbara, she's led through a disused underground station. Yeah. Um, um, now that's Wood Lane Underground Station, which apparently was was constructed for a big exhibition that was on in the twenties or something. All right. Um, and they they closed it in 1947. So again, nearly 20 years on, mm -hmm. and this thing is just standing there rotting away. Because Wood Lane is um or oh, was near the the right centre, wasn't it? Yeah. Yes, right by it. Yeah, I always remember. You must remember from Blue Peter yeah. and stuff like that. That was the address. Into, BBC yep. Television yeah. Centre, Wood Lane, London. Blah blah. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, yeah. It, it was abandoned at the time. Um, but we go back to uh, Ian and the Doctor. They're not on location. I love. I love. No, they stood. They stood in front of a, a lovely a photo. Picture. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's 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 yeah, like a, a blown up photo. Yes, um, I love it. I, I, but again, I, something else that keeps coming up on this show is you know TVs yep. were very small back then. The yep. reception wasn't very good. I'm sure somebody watching it in 1964 thought they were genuinely on location there. Yeah, know? I don't I don't think you would have been able to tell using the televisions at the time that. You wouldn't have been able to. Yeah, we, that's why you'd look at some of the other, like um, when on the web planet when they're on Vortis, and the backdrop is an obvious sort of four foot away painting. You wouldn't have known. No, you wouldn't have no. known because you wouldn't have been able to see the definition. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but they hear a noise and they look up and we see a saucer. Or we see a flying saucer <laughs> uh, wobbling along. Yeah. Yes. It, yeah. it it wobbles along. Uh, we'll talk about why it's wobbling along in behind the scenes. All right. Um, um, yeah, just your traditional flying saucer. Looked a bit like a pastry tray to me. Yeah, underneath. I thought that. it looked like a pastry crimper, didn't it? Yes, yeah. Um, now, the the BBC DVDs are very nifty in that uh, very often you have an option of choosing whether to watch it with the original yeah. effects or CGI effects. And sometimes they don't work, like the Ark in Space, I thought, was was yeah. awful. Um, but here, it's not bad. It, no, I like, pretty... I like watching it with the... The updated sources on because the old sources are not great. Yeah, <laughs> it's of its time, isn't it? But yeah. here, yeah, yeah, you know, I'm, they're very respectful. You know, they, they yeah. they've done a pretty neat riff on the design. You know, and I think the black and white also helps to take away from the fact that it is CGI. Um, yes. Yeah. No. Mm -hmm. No. No. I th I, th I think that's all right. Um, but they go back to the TARDIS. Um, at the same time, Barbara and Susan are meeting the resistance fighters. Um, but then we go back to the TARDIS again, and the Doctor and Ian are surrounded by Robo-men. Um, and they try to leg it to the river. I don't know why. I don't know if they think that they can swim across the river without being well, shot. Because it's it's interesting as well that they've just had a conversation about the poster and the fact that if you dump bodies in the river, and Ian sort of works out, is it plague? Yeah. Um, and the doctor says, well, that means the water's contaminated. And then literally minutes later, it's like, okay, well, let's dive in there. 
I would. Do you know what? I would. I would pay to have seen them actually. So that you know, to to carry it out where where Hartnell has to dive into a river. Yeah. I, yeah. No one would have made them do that, would they? That, that wasn't going to happen. But they, they they don't get the chance because here it no. is. Here is the shock moment. It's the end of, of episode one. The Dalek comes up out of the water and they look suitably appalled. And I'm sure that the, the whole audience did as well. You know, they, oh, nobody was expecting shocking. this. Yeah. yeah, because it's it it's a they would have recognised that they're Daleks because Daleks were everywhere. Mm. Um, they almost by that point they they entered the public consciousness. Um, so you would have known it was a Dalek. So they, you wouldn't have been because sometimes you get a recurring character and it's like, who's that? But they yeah. were, you know, there's no doubt this is a Dalek, a Dalek having a paddle. Um, but it, it it's so it's so nicely done because you get that sort of little model shot to start with, and then yeah. it cuts, and it's not, it's like wow, they've actually pushed the Dalek into the water. It does beggar the question though. Why is the Dalek in the River Thames? What's it doing? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Perhaps he was the inspecting the uh, cables from Batsy Power Station. I, I yeah, he, he had he had a rough patch, didn't he? That Dalek, he, it, his patrol yeah. area. I reckon he he tried telling his superiors as well. So sort of saying, I my half my patrol is underwater. I will like, just get on with it. He but could it's good have been though, fishing. It, yeah, he could have been. Yeah, nuclear fishing. No, um, <laughs> very good. But it's yeah, it's good that it it adds that level to Daleks as well that. Oh my God! They can go underwater, and it, yeah. it it almost fills in a whole. Your brain fills in a whole thing of what else a Dalek can do. It's a bit yeah, like it, Douglas Adams on towels, isn't it? It's like the fact that the Daleks can breathe underwater. You just then assume the Dalek can do anything. Yeah, it's like the in the comics. I mean, you're you're absolutely right. At the time, Dalek yeah. mania was everywhere, and the Daleks had their own comic strip. And in that, yeah. you know, you would have these like spaceships, and a Dalek would be on the exterior of the spaceship in a little slot, a bit like R2-D2 in, in an X-Wing. Yeah. And, you know, clearly without a bubble over the top, yeah, they don't need air to breathe yeah. um, in space or underwater. Yeah, and it, I mean, also, it's... It, this... It, it's, again, it's difficult... It's difficult to go back to to put your mind in the, the mindset of it, but this, was a, this would have been viewed as a very expensive special effect. Hmm. I mean, there's a in in American sort of seventies shows. Every week they'd explode a car. Now on British shows, we couldn't afford to park a car, let alone blow up a car. So you never saw anything like car exploding, and you never really see anything because of the way Doctor Who is filmed. I mean, right up till a Peter Davison story where he Warriors of the Deep, where he falls into a water tank. That's shocking because you're not. Water and Doctor Who don't mix. No. Because of the way they could, you couldn't have water in a studio. So you had to either go on location, that was expensive and dangerous, or you just didn't have it. And this, for so early in the program, to have a, a water stunt like this with a Dalek, it yeah. must have been mind blowing at the time. Like you say, we need that time machine to go back and experience yeah. this with an audience to just see what the heck. I mean, this was, you know. Oh, it would have been brilliant. It would have been the talk yeah. of the playgrounds the next day. Yeah. The um, you know, at, at work and everywhere, wouldn't it? This would, yeah. This 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 would have been a, a, a horrible Americanism, but a, a water cooler moment, wouldn't it? It's yes. <laughs> you, everyone would have been talking about this. Yeah. 
All right, well, that's the end of episode one. Uh, that's the sequence over. Um, behind the scenes, then. Um, now, I don't know if you know, Ian, you're a much bigger Doctor Who fan than me, but I've been looking about this saucer, okay, and yeah. I can't find who made the saucer. Do you know I who th- made the saucer? I think I do. I think it was Frey Bentos. <laughs> Sorry, no, no, no. Um, no, I don't. I, I, I imagine because at this point the uh, the BBC uh, Jack Kine and Bernard Wilkie they had started doing some of the effects for Doctor Who, and they they'd negotiated yes. the contract they wanted. There's very much politics involved that they didn't want to do it, um, but now they so they said so. It might be a. I mean, it might even be just an early. Um, Almost, it sounds terrible. Run of the mill effect for them, you know. Just hang a couple of paper plates together on a string over a photographic yeah. backdrop. Um, but no, I, 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 I don't. I don't remember ever reading anywhere which person did it. And also, they were quite. Although, although the BBC effects unit was had quite a few people in it, they were a bit. Uh, they were a bit cagey on saying who did what weren't they at the yeah. time it was very much they jack yeah. kine and bernard wilkie were the figureheads and they did all the work even though we know they didn't and they admitted they didn't but at the time that was the the view yeah i think it was in house i mean um yeah. a lot of the uh model work for the doctor who at the time was by a company called shawcraft but but looking into Shawcraft, the only things that I can find that they did that were Dalek related were the four they created the fir- first four Daleks yeah. in the first story and the Dalek city. But there's no mention of them doing the spaceship. So I think yeah, I think it was done yeah. in house. Well, the the the, da- the Dalek props having the because uh, there was an, it wasn't um, it wasn't Raymond Kuzik as the 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 the. Uh, props master whatever you want to call the designer on this show because he didn't approve of the changes they made it to the daleks and they moved them back but they were certainly done in-house um adding the the larger fenders and putting a a weird tricycle contraption underneath rather than just having the the uh the operators scoot it along um Mm. so i imagine yeah i i I wouldn't have thought they would have bothered going to shawcraft for this and i know they were sort of falling out with shawcraft by this point in the show's history yeah Shawcraft, they were, yeah yeah they, 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 they dumped them right. didn't they that i yeah. can't remember what story it was in but there was something that was pretty bad and it didn't work and then it fell off the off the wires and they um but yeah um, that was um it was it was um faceless ones troughton and it was right, the, right. the spaceship model uh, and that was the last straw where they went you know what we're just not going to use this firm anymore right um but but they're right up. I mean, almost from the very beginning, they were they weren't great at uh, for but for times they were always tended to be late, and they weren't great for they could build something to the exact spec you gave them, but they had no knowledge of of sort of uh, what's the word I'm looking for for on set you know almost having it do something it's not the meant to do. Practicality of it. Yeah, yeah. the practicality the. To, to get it to do the stuff so everything yeah. looked okay but it wasn't very usable right yeah it'd been all right if it had been just you know on a shelf or something like that but yeah yeah not to handle it or fly it or whatever e- exactly yeah 
Yeah, but um, yeah, the saucer, when you do see it in the sky, um, it was pretty wobbly. And the wobbliness of the saucer, and, and I like this, um, it was down to it being suspended by wires horizontally. Okay, that that the, the right. space uh, that the saucer was held horizontally rather than vertically, and it was in an attempt to fool the viewers because everybody knows, yeah, a spaceship you fly it on wires. Look for and the wires so you above look, it. Yeah, yeah, you look for the wires above it. So they tried doing it at the sides, which didn't work. Because no. I think it made it more wobbly than if you did have it hanging. Well, I said the the trouble is that if you have a wire from above, it can sort of swing and wobble and that. But this. This this is alarmingly wobbly, isn't it? It's uh, yeah, 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 alarmingly wobbly. Yes, yeah. that sums it up. All right, so that's the saucer. Um, now we'll move on to the Dalek. Okay, and when it comes out the river, the, as you say, the first shot is actually a model shot. A lot yeah. of people don't don't believe that or or don't know that, but that you, very you can first tell, shot. Yeah. If you, you can look, tell with water, yes. you can't miniaturize water. Because you can't, unless yeah. it's massive, you know, unless you're Derek Meddings yeah. and you're making the, the oil tanker in the Spyro Love yeah. Me, which is like 70 feet long. Um, you yeah. can't miniaturize water. It's all right. Uh, as I say, I think if you yeah, watched this in the good. 60s, you would have believed, you wouldn't have seen a distinction between the two. But yeah, the first shot is a model shot, which then cuts to the full size one. Uh, which has got a guy by the name of Robert Jewell inside, being pulled out of the river near Hammersmith Bridge. And he's actually on tracks. They had actually laid down tracks, and there's a cable under the water pulling him out. I do like the, the dedication that they thought, we've got to have the uh, the eye stick and the, the, the gun arms and that moving, so let's yes. put a poor BBC guy in this. <laughs> in his trunks. Yeah, in his <laughs> trunks. Um, I hope he got some extra pay for it. Yeah, now, uh, uh, this is what I love. I, I love, you know, the naivety. I love the uh, whatever adjective you want to use about, you know, filmmaking before health and safety kicked in. In yeah. that it was originally meant to be at Kewbridge. This was meant, uh, meant to be filmed at Kewbridge. But they switched locations to Hammersmith Bridge. And that was because at the time, oh, it's a lot better now, but the River Thames was so polluted and so foul that they, they moved it to Hammersmith Bridge because Hammersmith Bridge is right next to the hospital. And therefore, if, if anybody who went in the water got sick, well, you're right next to the hospital, you know. Yeah. And that's the reason it was filmed at Hammersmith Bridge because they, they, they kind of like anticipated that people would get sick. Yeah, wasn't the Thames, uh, wasn't that known as the big smelly? And that was where, because in, in a Judge Dredd story, there's... Um, Fergie lives by the big smelly, doesn't yeah, he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, and, but, yeah. But the Thames, but, I'm sure that was a play on the fact that the Thames was known as the big smelly. Well, for centuries, again, we're going off t topic here, but, you know, history is one of my other things, yeah. is that, you know, for, Tem for, for, for centuries, the Thames was called the big smelly. It was so foul because, yeah. you know, there were many uh, rivers in London. They've all been covered up now. They're all part of the sewer system. But people would basically just dumping their sewage straight yeah. into the river and it was foul and and what actually started the modern london sewage system was uh it got the smell was so bad 
the river of course goes past the palace of westminster the houses of parliament the stench got so bad that people were throwing up you know and that's when they went right we've got to do something about it and even now in in you know the the late 60s yeah i, I think right up to the end of the 20th century yeah. the river thames was a pretty horrible place it's a lot better now yeah but it's still then, it's still a mucky looking river though, isn't it? it it's every brown. time I, I don't go to london a lot these days but when i do you you sort of you go and stand by the river and it's a lovely skyline and it's lovely view and you look down and it's a brown river it looks like coffee you know? yeah a river that looks like not... coffee is not a good river you know? no. <laughs> all right okay so yeah that was that what else have i got uh, oh yes um originally scripted um when when the doctor um and ian is it ian it is ian, ian. isn't it yep. Yeah, yes. the Doctor uh, and Ian. Which I, wh- wh- I've got a feeling I was possibly named after him. Do you think so? Yeah. Well, well my, your, dad, my, your dad was a science fiction fan, Yeah, he? he loved he loved Doctor Who. And um, they they also sort of gave me the the answer that they chose the name of him because they wanted something even an idiot could spell. So they were right. very – they had a lot of foresight. <laughs> but, yeah, I, I like to think – I like to think myself that Ian would have – because Ian's one of my favourite characters um, – throughout Doctor Who I think mm-hmm. um, Russell Enoch uh, William Russell he he. everyone says oh he's boring and he's wooden I think he's amazing I think no he, I think he's good he has such gravitas and he takes everything seriously and that brings you into it as a viewer you know as a viewer you think oh Ian's scared so I better be scared as well it, yeah I. so I like to think that I'm named after him yeah 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> there was no Eric in Doctor now, Who also yeah also my sister's name is Susan. Oh, that's definitely it then. Hey, that's definitely it. Yeah, sure. there you go. Well, there you go. All right. Okay. That, yeah. No. The other fact I've got is that originally scripted after they'd been caught by the Robo Men, the the there was no Dalek coming out of the river. They were taken to Trafalgar yeah. Square, and that's when the saucer lands. A big ramp comes down, and the shock ending of Episode One was four Daleks came down the ramp. I'm presuming for budget reasons they yeah didn't do that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean you do I mean later on in this story you do see, you know, um the Daleks having their little tourist walk around London, don't you? But, you do, uh, yes. They they visit all the Trafalgar tourists. Square. Yeah. Yeah. They do yeah. the touristy thing. Yes. Um yeah. but and yeah, also, that... also they do do the exact touristy thing is um they can't be asked to find toilets and they they pee into drains <laughs> behind the scenes that's what the, the the dalek operators did which is a very touristy thing to do they did didn't they yes yeah. i saw that anecdote yeah. as well yeah. yeah yeah all right all right well that that's it have you got anything on behind the scenes um no not really it's i mean there's doctor who's one of those shows that um that the special effects generally aren't that special in that because they had to do it live as a play and this is like i say you sort of you forget and if you watch them in order you suddenly realize that this is one of the first times where you get some really good location stuff and also you get some sort of set piece effects work yeah which never really got to that point um i i mean i i'd, I'd like to add that it's i I, this is like I say this is one of my favourite single episodes mm. um, of of Doctor Who, and this is my go-to. If you know, if I'm got insomnia at night, I'll pop this in and watch episode one. I watched it to death. Um, yeah, I I think it's a really good episode. Yeah. Okay. All right. So 
having said that, what do you think of the rating for it then? Um, it's a, a difficult one because the saucer is is shockingly bad. Mm-hmm. Um, but you have to. Yeah, you know, it's. I always think with these these ratings is does it do the job it's meant to do, and or does it bring you out? And I think it does do the the job it's meant to do. I would I would give it, and especially because the Dalek coming out of the Thames, I think is just is is very 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 good. I I I'd probably put a six on this one. All right. Okay. Well, I say it's a product of its time. Um, yeah. yeah, the Dalek is a big shock moment. Yeah. Um, but uh, the saucer is nothing spectacular. <laughs> I was I was just going to give it a five. So that yep. gives it an average of five and a half. All right. I think that's fair. Okay. Right. So having said that, we skip forward two years to the big cinema version of this. It's all different. Well, I told you to believe him. It's daytime. Are you sure it's 21.50? Yes, quite sure, Susie. But, Grandfather, it looks so deserted. I should say decaying. Well, what's happened to London, then? Maybe it's Sunday. Of course it's not Sunday. I'm playing football, Sunday. This would have been... Again, it's difficult because these films have always been in my life, as far as I can remember. So I could, there, there was some sort of reason that something couldn't be shown on telly sports wise and they showed these dalek films in the sort of probably 74 73 something like that um and that that's sort of my earliest memory of it but i always just accepted peter cushing as doctor who right so it must be fairly yeah it must be fairly early um we could probably find out when it was actually repeated, couldn't we? Well, I, I tell you what, I'm very glad that you said 74, because um, the first time I ever saw it, it, I was about 12, and that would put me at 74, yeah. right? And my memory of this is, like yourself, watching it on TV, and I can distinctly remember watching it round a friend's house who lived in the village next door, and he lived... I don't know why I remember it, but he lived above a sweet shop, Okay. Oh, that's why you'd remember it. Yeah, yeah I guess so, yeah. Um, yeah. And he lived in a sweet shop in this uh, place called West Malling, which was the next uh, village to me. And I always remember this, <laughs> eating loads of sweets while we're watching it. But it was, it must have been, you know, autumn or winter, because yeah. I remember when it finished, I had a walk home, all right? And it was about a two-mile walk across fields, Okay, this shows you how different the world is now that I was 12 years old and I'm walking home in the dark across fields and just being quite scared by, you know, the trees blowing and the shadows of the trees on the on the ground as I was walking along. And that's my abiding memory of this film is watching it and then having to walk home alone through the dark for a couple of miles. Which was scarier, the watching the film or walking home alone? I think it, as in everything, it's your imagination. You know, you've had this idea yep. of this notion of this takeover um, and everything, and then walking home completely alone. You know? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I can remember um, quite a mess in the pit film. I think when we spoke about it, we we said about it, and I can remember being walking past a building site that had a crane, and that terrified me. Mm. Um, 
but yeah it does it does influence your memories of the actual films as well doesn't it the first yeah. time i saw this in color the the dalek invasion uh, dalek's invasion earth 2150 ad film was uh i think it would have been about 82 they did a a sci-fi season on bbc2 and my brother had just bought a color television right. and it was our first we were very late to color television um and uh, this was the first time i'd seen any doctor who at all in color mm. and i remember seeing the 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 the, the lovely tardis prop in this because it's bigger and more imposing than the tv one was and seeing that sat there in in that set of the you know by the bridge you know, and it just being blown away by it just the blueness against mm. the rest and yeah it was magical and then you see the daleks and um it that, so that my first ever color doctor who was this film and, and of course this is how it was advertised wasn't it these yes, two amateur yes, film versions was point, see yeah. the daleks in color because yeah. you know everybody back then black and white tv so you had no idea they were just gray and black uh, yeah they were just shades of gray you didn't know and they really went with the color with these and of course oh, they're lovely that horrible abomination of a revamp of the daleks a few years ago where you had those <laughs> that, 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 those new yeah star new ones paradigm daleks, the paradigm yeah. that's the ones yeah with those the bubble bath daleks yeah the bubble bath but but yeah they were awful but they they yeah. were saying at the time this is a nod back to the colorfulness yeah. of the amicus daleks with the reds and the yellows and everything yeah yeah these are very very colorful daleks they also look good they're shiny they mm. you know and in this film they've got they've realized that the the flashing uh ears should match the voice which they didn't in the first film um so that matches this i know these these films are looked down on by fans um for various reason reasons one is that obviously doctor who in this isn't a time lord mm. and i use the name reservedly on this and correctly that People go, oh, it's the Doctor. Like, no, it's not. It's Doctor Who. It's always yes. been Doctor Who. There's more evidence that it's Doctor Who than there is that it's just the Doctor. Um, he's, he's Doctor Who. And in this one, he's a human. Um, and it's very much looked down on. But but to me, th- these are... The, the store is coarsened. It's been, you know, it's knocked down to, what, 90 minutes. Uh, the acting isn't quite as good in for certain people but it's got a really good cast got people like andrew keir in it uh mr ben he's in it um, <laughs> whose name i can never remember but he's forever be known as mr ben Re- really good and some lovely set pieces and i it's it's a really good watch and i, I it annoys me when people sort of go just dismiss it as a kiddie film they do dismiss it don't yeah. they you know yeah um, the and question I've got a wonderful doctor. Wonderful. Oh doctor. yeah, yeah. Um, what I I don't know about this is this wasn't a thing at the time, was it? To do a big screen version of a TV show. The, um, no, the only other no, thing that this, I can think of it is the Quatermass. Uh, yeah. You know serials. Well, I think this was very much a, a gamble, wasn't it? That so you 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 had the the Quatermasses that were the own. Yeah, I mean. There was a lot of uh, Hammer film versions of radio series, wasn't there? Like, I was going to um, say, there's Dick yeah, Barton PC and stuff like that. And Dick yeah. Barton, yeah. Um, but the Quatermasses were, the, I think, they're the only sort of film adaptations of a TV show at that point. Hmm. Um, and then these would have been probably the the second lot, because Doomwatch was much later, wasn't it? Doomwatch was yeah, 71, right, yeah. 72. Um, 
But yeah, I don't think it was a standard thing. It was in the late 70s, early 80s. Every TV show going got its own film version where they would usually comically go abroad, yes. wouldn't they? And, and it was usually outrageously uh, racist and yes. <laughs> filmed in the car park somewhere. But these were these were big, big budget. Well, they probably weren't. They were probably very low budget, but looked big budget looked adaptations. Big budget, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And... Um, of course, the first notion that the Doctor could be played by a different actor. Yes. You yeah. know, this must have influenced the decision. The idea of regeneration yeah, and the, trousen, the, yeah. You know, people have accepted a different actor. Also, um, Peter Cushion, ahead of the game, isn't he? He's the first Doctor to wear a, a, a velvet frock coat. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he's, he wears a scarf continuously. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you know, he's, he's a groundbreaker, old uh, Cushing. He's a groundbreaker. I mean, you're yeah. saying there about, you know, it's given the notion of that, you know, you can recast. And, of course, this is uh, 66. We've still got Sean Connery as James Bond. So yeah. this is before James Bond leaves and regenerates into Yeah, the notion of recasting characters. Um, again, other than the Quatermass TV shows where the, the lead actors would inconveniently die... Um, it was not known, was it? It was. Oh, I suppose the only yeah. thing where it is known, I, no, I'm thinking about it. There's two: uh, Sherlock Holmes before this yeah. and Tarzan. But they're not really. They're not. Uh, they're not meant to be the same. Yeah, it's not in, conti- thing, uh, in yeah. continuity, is it? Yeah. So, so like Dracula, Tarzan, oh, Dracula, and yeah. Sherlock Holmes. Yeah. But we we accept different. But that's almost that's almost expected, isn't it? That's. They're not. Yeah, they're not suppose, saying these yeah. are the same character, or these no, are no, meant no. to be the same. No, you don't have all the backstories yeah. and the continuity. Exactly. Do you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. No. They're all right. Okay. I'm going to cut that bit out. <laughs> yeah. All right. Lest so it makes you look silly. Yeah. Indeed. All right. So, so before our sequence starts, we've we, we've been introduced to Bernard Cribbins. Um, yes. The good old wonderful Bernard Cribbins. Um, Isn't good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Getting on board the TARDIS uh, with, as you say, it's not the Doctor, it's Doctor Who. Yes. Um, his niece Louise and his granddaughter Susan. What I never understand about these two films is it's clearly been licensed by the BBC and endorsed by the BBC. Yeah. But the BBC, for some reason, decided, you know, right, you're not allowed to use the same TARDIS interior. You're not allowed to use the same sound effects. And we have these changes. As you say, Doctor Who is now an Earth man. He's not a Time Lord. Um, yeah. And he's got, he's got a niece and he's got a granddaughter as well. Yeah, it's, it's quite strange, isn't it, that they've, they've paid for the, the name and they've paid yes. for the, you know, the idea and the, the basic script. Um, but then they've, they've sort of uh, not paid for anything else after that. It's... Mm. It, yeah, it is, it is strange, and again, it'd be it'd be interesting to see the original contracts for what they did and didn't. I I suppose the with the theme tune and that, although it was BBC property, they would have had to have paid Ron Grainer, mm-hmm. um, who was quite a big name then, as far as he he did all the the famous uh, theme tunes etc. on the BBC. So I wonder. I, I imagine it was probably just purely a commercial. Yeah. Uh, I think so. idea yeah um maybe they the, just the kind of stamp their yeah. identity on it it you could know? be i mean the interior of the tardis it uh, when i when i was a a, a a terrible teenage fan i was i was very snitty about these films in that 
you know it's terrible uh, but it's okay now it's like it you know i know why they probably didn't and it was down to money um mm. so i'm okay with that my 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 best moment was watching the they, they released these on blu-ray a, a few years back and um so I went, immediately rushed out and bought the Blu-rays and then watching the first film and there's that lovely shot of the TARDIS in Doctor Who's garden and then you can see on the Blu-ray hanging on the wall of the house is an old tin bath <laughs> so I then had the image it's like so Doctor Who on yes. a Saturday night sat in front of the fire in an old tin bath <coughs> it's like I wonder if that's why he bought, built the TARDIS bigger on the inside, was that he was going to put a, a privy in it as well. Yeah. <laughs> so he's got some, you know, he's got a decent place to go. It's, it's very strange, but I do like the, the, the sort of the silliness of the of that he's a human inventor and he's just invented this. And, yeah. Yeah. You know, I, it I, is a riff, isn't it? That's what it yeah, is. It's a yeah, riff on it. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, they, they travel not to 2164, but to 2150. I don't know why they changed the 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 year there. I yeah, guess it's snappier again, to strange. say 2150. Yeah. And we get quite nice model work um, and yeah. a matte painting of a destroyed London. Now, in the TV version, you know, Ian and Barbara, they, they think they're back. You know, they're back in the 60s and they're home. Um, and it takes a while to register that actually uh, this is London, but it's not as it's not the London we know. Straight away, these guys they know something's gone wrong. You see the destroyed London. Yeah, isn't it strange though, that that the TV Doctor at the time couldn't control the TARDIS, mm. but the film Doctor Who can control the TARDIS. So he says, "Yeah, we're in 2150," and uh, there's no, "Are we? Is it? Where?" It's like, "Yeah, okay, we believe him. He's yeah." He's, yeah, he's yeah, accurate yeah. in this case. Yeah. Um, All right. Well, the TARDIS gets covered up this time by falling girders. Much more impressive yes. Um, yes. than the TV version because, of course, they've got more money, haven't they? Yeah, they've got more money. They've got much bigger because all this is a set inside it's a set so it took until i saw the the film uh, the photographs of the set i always assumed this was perhaps filmed on a back lot hmm. but it's actually indoors it's a massive great set yes yeah yeah know. yeah um and i love the next bit that's coming up uh, on this set we have the most massive product placement of sugar puffs yeah sugar puffs well, they uh, paid you, some of the budget, didn't they, to this? They and did, they, they the did. And there was all sorts, yeah. yeah, there was competition. You could win a full-size Dalek and all this sort of stuff. I mean, last week um, on this show, we did uh, Superman 2, and I was saying about how, you know, Marlborough is pretty blatant all the way through that yeah. product <laughs> placement. But they were doing this 13 years before, yeah. you know. And it was not seen <laughs> as a bad thing. You know, it brought money well, in, didn't it? Yeah. Well, Marlborough... I've got a problem with sugar puffs. I don't have so much of a problem with, you know. Well, I don't know. As 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 to diabetic myself, it probably yes, okay. The, their sugary goodness probably contributed to my my illness. <laughs> you um, can blame I it all on puffs. Doctor Who. Yeah. yeah. Can you still get no, them? I don't know. Yeah, you can still get them. Can you? Yeah, oh, yeah, I yeah, still yeah, love yeah. Them. And they still smell the same. That horrible smell. Used to get the little um, Jerry Anderson badges in it. <laughs> yeah. They were the days. Yep. They were the days. 
Yeah, the Jerry Anderson shows very yeah. often had um, yeah tie-ins with sugar puffs, and yeah, back in those days, again before health and safety went ridiculous, yeah, you could get a free gift at the bottom. Yeah, my my mum always said, no, you're not allowed to dig down and get it. You've got to yeah, wait got to until it pops yeah. out into your bowl. You know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you would you would you would try and uh, navigate its way up. So yeah. that you could get it, yeah. Before your brother. That's what I was always doing. It, yeah. it, it's it's like getting a slice of Christmas pudding with the money yep. in it. You know? Yeah. <laughs> See, we didn't need PlayStations. Who needs we all just, of this? We just needed a tin badge and a packet of overly sweet cereal. Indeed. Right. All right. As in the original, Susan, she hurts her ankle and Doctor yep. Who and Tom go off to the warehouse. Um, again, they find a dead robo-man. But like you said earlier, he, he's not somebody, a slave that's been adapted with a few doohickeys on no, his head. He's, he's now in a shiny black outfit with some sort of modified blue, you know, bike helmet or something. Yeah, he's, he's into his uh, patent uh, PVC yes. suits, isn't he, this one? I, 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 as a kid, I loved these Roman men. As a, as a sort of adult, I, you suddenly realize they don't make a lot of sense, whereas no. the TV ones do. Um, but these are so iconic, the look of them. Yeah. Um, well, that's a costume right. I've never done. Yeah, that's um, I know yeah, some people easy. have made them. Yeah. Um, maybe that's to actually, you know, cater for some other taste. Well, you know, I imagine well. you, you could probably buy a suit like this off the shelf in certain stores that look I wouldn't want to Google it, you know. Com- um, complete yeah. with a little whip. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I do like the idea of the, the Daleks have made these outfits somewhere yeah. on that ship. There is a, um, you know, uh, a Dalek, Dalek outfitter shop, yeah. with, with a sewing machine instead of the plunger and the gun has got, yeah, like, you know, a sewing machine attached and making these PVC on outfits. One arm, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's, it is, they look good. My favourite, as I, as I um, uh, uh, messaged you last night, my favourite uh, line is where, where Peter Cushion pulls the case off of the, uh, the, the, the helmet radio and he's a miniaturized antenna most sophisticated <laughs> and it's a pile of shit <laughs> it's like two it's, transistors it's, it's early 60s board. radio technology yeah, isn't it? <laughs> it's amazing. he's impressed by that though and he's got, oh, i'm gonna be around to tandis later oh he's so sweet yeah yeah um, I love yeah he, he is great in this yeah. a lot of people don't like him in this a lot of people think this is his worst performance but it's like I think he's brilliant no he's I, great yeah. For what I he's doing, it. it's like him in. Um, he, he's not too dissimilar when he does um, at the Earth's core. Yeah, yeah, as well, fact, this eccentric I, um, yeah. guy. As a kid, I sort of thought at the Earth's core was connected to these somehow. He's very much because, channeling yeah. it, isn't he? Definitely, yeah. And yeah. it's got Doug Clue in it, so you can't go wrong, can you? Yeah, indeed. <laughs> We got to do that one time. Yeah, we got to do that. Do you want to come back for at the, the Earth's Core? At the Earth's we'll, Core, we could have a Doug McClure season. <laughs> that'll be next year, though. But yeah, yeah. next year we'll do that. All right. Okay. So um, meanwhile, Susan's vanished, and uh, yep. Louise meets Andrew Keir. Um, yeah, what good actor he is! As the well. wonderful Andrew Keir. I love his yes. voice. It's yeah. amazing. 
we talked about him, didn't we, on the Quatermass yeah, episode? Mass, yeah, we did. He's yeah. the best, best Quatermass, I think. Indeed, yeah. They look up and they see the saucer. Now, this is a completely Ooh. different <laughs> hey, we're affair in a different to what we've ball seen. Game now, aren't we? Different hey. ball game, yeah. Completely different design. Uh, go on Facebook, anyone, and just see the startling differences. Uh, very nifty, very bulky. Um, I can't see how that good can hang in the work. air like that. Good wire Great, work. Good as well. work, yeah. wire work, yeah. No wobbliness, no yeah. wires to be seen. And even more impressive considering it's got a turn in midsection. Yeah. So that's going to weigh a ton because you know it's got all the gear in and the batteries yeah. in it to turn that. Have you, have you ever seen behind the scenes shots of the model? It's massive. It is huge. Yeah. It is huge. I'll be putting them up. Yes. Um, but Doctor Who and Tom see it too, and the Doctor says it looks like it's landing in Sloan Square. Yeah. This is brilliant. Which I'm always puzzled yeah. by. How does he know that? Um, well, he, he might live in London. Yeah, but there's tons of squares in Slo- in London, and he's in the East End, and he's saying yeah. it's landing in Sloan Square. Well, I, I he's, he's look. I mean, he looks like the sort of person that would know these things. Perhaps he used to be a cabbie, and he's he's done the knowledge. <laughs> I don't know. But I do love the fact that they don't bother changing the a flying saucer. Ooh, a most apt description. No, it's not. <laughs> No, <laughs> it was in the TV show. It wasn't in this one. Yeah, again, well, they they do this a few, in a few times in these films where they don't bother changing the 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 dialogue. Well, <laughs> we'll talk about this in behind the yeah. scenes. But yeah, the saucer was made very late in the day, so yeah. Um, so yeah, they didn't have a clue what that was going to look yeah. like. And I guess in the script, it does say, "Oh, a flying saucer." Yeah. Um, but you actually see the saucer land, and it deploys its landing legs, yeah. doesn't it? You know, little, which is yeah, very little nice. Little landing legs, little jets. Yeah, it's a lovely bit. Yeah. Lovely bit of yeah. filming. Indeed. Um, Louise and Andrew Keir, they go to the Embankment Underground Station. Now, in 1966, there was no underground station called the Embankment. There used to be one, but it was renamed, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, so it, this is a made-up fictional underground station. But there is one now. Um, yeah, can say I've um, definitely seen it on the maps. Yeah, it's just down. It's just down from Charing Cross Road. Um, if you want the District and Circle Line, you walk down to Embankment. Yeah. It's right by the Embankment of the Thames. But again, geography is all over the place. This is meant to be in the East End of London. Yeah. You know, this is Central West End London where the Embankment Station is. But there you go. Um, but they meet, you know, the guy you couldn't remember the name of just then, Ray Brook. That's him, Ray Brooks. Yeah, Ray Brook. And this. Exactly. This is what takes me out of the film all the time, is that, to me, Ray Brook, well, not Ray Brook, but his voice is the voice of Mr. Ben. Yeah. You know, if you're from the UK in a certain age, you know a, 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 a well, it's not even cartoon, is it? It was, no, you know, wouldn't, wouldn't it was cardboard cutouts. Yeah. A cardboard cutout animation uh, t- children's TV series of the very early 70s called Mr. Ben, who used to go into a fancy dress shop put on a, a, um, a, a fancy dress outfit. When he came out of the changing room, he's in that place and he has an adventure. And narrated all the way... They are only like five minutes, weren't they? Um, yeah, narrated by Ray Brook, who yeah. has a very distinctive voice. So every time I hear him, that's not whatever character Ray Brook yeah. is playing. That is Mr. Ben in Doctor other, Who. Yeah, the other thing that I think this film... it gets It gets so many things... Right, but the thing it gets wrong is at no point do you ever believe this is any time other than the sixties. Mm. They don't. There's no. There's no nod to saying, oh, it is actually twenty one fifty. 
everyone wears uh, flat caps. Everyone dresses in sixes. I mean, when was the last time you saw a donkey jacket? Even now, yeah. you know, they're yeah. not going to survive for another hundred years. Um, and Let alone all the trucks and everything. Yeah, the trucks are all 1960s. At least in a TV show, they went to a museum to get those trucks, you know, when yeah. they have the dump truck. Um, and Ray Brooks as well. He's so swinging sixties, isn't he? In his, <laughs> in his little leather coat with his, with his, I, which I love the fact he's, he's got a, a, a shoulder holster and he keeps a knife in it. Yeah. I just, for some reason, I thought that was so cool as a kid. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. But, uh, again, we go back to Doctor Who and Tom. They're by the river. Yep. Again, the Robomen come in and they run for it. And we get the Dalek coming out of the water again, uh, although much quicker this time. Yeah. Um, also, what, what what's really interesting about this compared to the TV one is, obviously because of it's a film and that, you've got, in the same shot, the Dalek coming up with Doctor Who and Tom in the shot. Yes. And it yes. adds so much to that. And I didn't, until I watched these back to back yesterday, you don't, you don't sort of realize, and it, it just makes it so much more cinematic. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, but that's it. I mean, we get some lovely 60s swinging music, which yeah. dates it as well. Um, I quite like the music, but it doesn't fit, does it? It's not. No, no, no. It is kind of jarring. It's yeah. almost as jarring as Ray Brooks's voice. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's the sequence over. So um, let's look behind it now. I've got a bit more information this time on the saucer mm. than last time. Uh, the new look saucer was designed by the film's art director, who was called George Provis. And it was built in-house at Shepperton Studios uh, under the guidance of special effects designer Ted Samuels. Okay, right. And like I said earlier, construction of it was it was quite late in the day, um, which resulted in some discrepancies later on in the film because you've got some matte paintings of the landed saucer, and the the rear of it doesn't match what you see in the model because they had nothing to go on uh, because right. they hadn't seen the model because it hadn't been built yet. That makes sense. Yeah, that's why it's not. It's not quite right, is it? It doesn't quite no, look. No. But for this shot, when we do see the uh, spaceship, it was actually on the set, and it's filmed as a hanging miniature. This isn't a right. cutaway. This was actually done on set. And it's, it looked, it, yeah, it looks like it's a, a, a like a, a matte bit of film that's been processed into the shot, doesn't it? It's, no, no, no. It was there. Yeah. It was there. Wow. And it's got a bit of a. a strange history this model um because yeah it was constructed for this film it was in this film and it stayed at shepperton for three years when it was taken out of uh, storage and it was used in a film called the body stealers yeah and um yeah it was in this film body stealers it even appeared on um the film poster it was pretty prominently uh featured okay and then so it's had a better career than some of the actors, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. um, and then it was sold at auction sometime in the 70s, okay, and right. then disappeared. And then, of all people, Matt Irvin, okay. Yeah. Um, do you remember when Matt Irvin used to do um, little slots and features for Tomorrow's, Tomorrow's World? Yeah. He was the BBC's uh, go-to person for space or sp special space effects. Or special effects, yes. He, when Superman was being made, he went along to uh, Zoran Perisic, okay, the guy who right. did the flying 
um, rigs and everything right. for Superman. He went along to do a um, you know a feature on the flying sequences of Superman and happened to notice in Zoran's workshop was this spaceship. And him having worked on, you know, Doctor Who for quite a while, recognised it immediately and asked Zoran, well, where did you get it from? And he's, he's like, well, yeah, no, I bought it at that auction. And the reason he bought it at the auction was he wanted to use it um, and film it when he was, you know, starting up this new flying system. This was the test subject. So oh, really? while he was developing the whole, you know, flying yeah. Um, um, system for Superman. He was using <laughs> a Dalek spaceship as his test See, subject. They they get everywhere the Daleks. They're involved yeah. in everything. So there you are. You got a connection between the Daleks and Superman. Um, but he told Matt Irvin that he was just about to move workshops, and his new workshop there wasn't enough space to store it. Okay, right. so. Uh, Matt Irvin at the time, he was like part of this thing called um, ASH, the Astronomical Society of Harangay. Okay. And, <laughs> okay. Yeah. And, and, yeah. and, and there were talks and sim- symposiums yeah. and all sorts of stuff going on at Alexandra Palace. And he said, well, if you like, I can store it for you at Alexandra Palace. So that's what happened. It then moved to Alexandra Palace. It was used by Matt Irvin in various, you know, talks and things. Yeah. Um, but there was a fire at the place in 1980, okay, and a lot of this ashes, you know, you, you know things were turned to ash because they burned yeah. in the fire. But not this saucer because it had been removed shortly before by Zorin, who wanted it back. But that's where the trial ends. Um, All right. um, nobody knows where it is to this day. Um, so it could so turn up. It could turn a, up. In a storage I mean, bin somewhere. Like you say, it mm. is a substantial model. Yeah. You know, it, it was chuffing huge, you know. So presumably it's in storage somewhere, but ho- hopefully it still exists to this day. Yeah, I've seen a, I'm, I'm sure there's a, a fan made one of the same dimensions, isn't there? I've seen photos of that one. They had to um, recreate it yeah. for uh, various was things. Is it for Dalek yes. Mania or something That's like right. That. It was Dalek yeah. Mania, yes. Yeah, they had to recreate it. Yeah. My only other bit of in- background info is on the Daleks themselves, which is, um, as we say, you know, the Daleks were far more colourful now. Yeah. Um, but also they had a much um, larger skirt affair, didn't they? They did, um, yeah. They had a much bigger fender, uh, again, to hide bigger wheels. The idea the being big, that, yeah, they would be yeah, on the, location, yeah. Yeah, exactly. When you, you're, you're in the BBC studios and you've got a flat floor, no problem. When you go out on location, you're going around Trafalgar Square or the, the Albert Memorial with cobblestones or whatever. Yeah, they had to put on much bigger wheels, which mean meant the fender had to get bigger. I always, whenever I see Dodgem cars, I always think of yeah. that fender. Yeah, you know? yeah. I like, I do like this design of Dalek. I like the film Daleks. I think they look, they look solid and tank-like without having the, like, the, the new version that has the rivets and things like that. You don't need uh, that sort of thing. It look, they look imposing, they look good. Um, yeah. yeah, they, it, I do like the design work on uh, these two films, um, except for the Thals in the first yeah. film. Yeah, the Thals are bad. No, oh, but also me. having the bigger fender, as you say, you know, it made them taller as well. I mean, yes. if you see yeah. if you see a studio scale reproduction of a Dalek, an original Dalek, they are yeah. tiny. You know, they are so small, and and that's why when you watch a, do- a 
uh, Doctor Who that features the Daleks, very often the camera is way down low, pointing yeah. upwards, um, you know, to give them more of a sense of size, don't they? Yeah. Um, they, they were made, I mean, the, the, the original studio Daleks, they were made for that one story, for that one story. And yeah, you're right, they're, they're tiny little things. Mm. They're not tall at all. They're, I mean, William Hartner wasn't a tall fella, but you see shots of him and he's He's sort of taller than these Daleks. <laughs> All right. Okay. What do you reckon then for a rating on this one? Well, I think this this one has to go higher because although, I mean, if, if we're taking out, because obviously we're looking at the special effects, if we take out the fact that, you know, I do like the acting in the TV one. I think I love Hartnell, but the acting in this is good. So if we're looking at special effects, I reckon this has got to be a seven from me because the, the saucer is glorious and the dalek coming out although it's not as big a shock because of the way they film it i do like i think it's very cinematic how they film it with you know with the doctor and that there it it, the only thing that bugs me is that when it talks to him there's obviously no one in this particular dalek because the lights don't flash nothing it's it's a bit of a static model but yeah i think i think a seven for this one from me well snap that's exactly what i'm giving it as well yeah for all the reasons you've given it Yeah. yeah Yeah, that's, yeah, no, seven is absolutely fine. Excellent. Excellent. Good. All right. Okay. Well, that's us finished. Um, yeah, I think that's the Daleks comprehensively covered. We never have to yeah. do them again. Yeah. I think the next one we're going to have to do, Ian, when you and I return for Doctor yeah. Who, we've got, we got to do the Cybermen next. Cybermen, yeah. Yeah, and we'll See, I would have I, loved, I they, have to go there early. was talk of a Cyberman film, wasn't there? There, there was. was talk, yeah. And yeah. I would have loved to have seen what, what this particular, you know, like this Amicus design crew. Well, no, actually, it was Ari, wasn't it? Although it was the same Amicus people. Um, I would have loved to have seen what they would have made of the side. What they would have done with it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. To be continued um, on the Who section of Effectively Speaking. All right. Okay. Thank you for your time, Ian. No problem. Pleasure as always. And I'll speak to you soon. Thanks, thanks Ian. And thanks, everybody else. And see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye.